Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, what are your thoughts when you hear the word apocalypse? Today is the second to last Sunday of the liturgical year, and our readings tend towards what the church calls the apocalypse. So, the word apocalypse... I'm dating myself here, but perhaps when you hear the word, you only see Robert Duvall or Marlon Brando or Sean Penn in the movie Apocalypse Now. Maybe when you hear the word apocalypse, you think end of the world or end times, disaster, destruction. Or maybe you go the other way, the opposite direction, and you think, ah, forget about it. No one really knows about the end times, so why worry about it? There seems to be so much distortion and confusion over the term that it's hard to focus on anything else when we hear the word. If we look up the word apocalypse in a New Testament Greek dictionary, the word is not defined as end times. What we do see is the word defined more as an unveiling or a revealing. Some might then say that apocalyptic literature is about an unveiling of the darkness of the mind or revealing what may be behind the curtain, taking away the veil of what is hidden so that we may see whatever is to be seen more clearly. So in New Testament apocalyptic literature, what is being unveiled or revealed is indeed the end of the world in one sense, but not necessarily the end of the world in a space-time continuum. Continuum, meaning like a nuclear bomb or an asteroid hitting the earth, but more about breaking down all the frames of reference we use to understand the world in which we live in. What am I talking about? Well, most, if not all of us, were raised being taught or to have an understanding of how the world truly operates. If we were raised in any kind of a nuclear family of some sort, our teachers were our parents, grandparents, extended family, and friends. And within the framework of that family structure, healthy or unhealthy, we learned how the world operated. For instance, a simple example might be, in this family, we always vote this way. A more complex example might be, when mom is drinking, stay out of the kitchen. Sometimes we carry those learned ways into our adulthood years. And then again, sometimes we are able to shift and adopt new frameworks of the way the world is to operate. We develop our own frameworks, in other words. Now, here's the gist of this entire sermon. The apocalypse is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave over sin and death. Just hold that thought in your gray matter for a few moments, and we will come back to it again shortly. For the disciples, those being the twelve, the women, the followers of Jesus, the temple in Jerusalem was the framework from which all of life made sense. Good little Jewish boys and girls grew up hearing about the temple as the holiest of holy places. It was where God met with his people. The temple was the center of the universe. It was a beautiful structure, for one thing. The temple sat high upon a hill. All paths of vision turned towards seeing the temple when in the city and surrounding area of Jerusalem. 
Our gospel reading this morning has us near the time of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Jesus has brought his disciples with him to Jerusalem, and they are walking around perhaps on the Temple Mount itself, or maybe within the city walls, or maybe they're standing on the Temple or the Mount of Olives looking at the Temple Mount across the Kidron Valley. The disciples see the temple and they begin to speak of the temple from their framework of which they were brought up. The center of all Jewish life, all Jewish law, all Jewish culture, culture stands before them. How beautiful the stones were as they were dedicated gifts to God. Now I'm going to date myself here again with a reference to an old movie. This time it's the movie Hoosiers a story about a small-town basketball team ending up in the state basketball championship game against one of the big-town teams. The coach wisely brings the team into the Coliseum the big game is to be played in. Obviously, for a bunch of farm kids from a little town in the, a little town, the Coliseum was not only the biggest barn they had ever been in, but one of the most modern, state-of-the-art buildings they had ever seen. As they walk around, they marvel at how big and beautiful the place is. As the team is marveling at the building, the coach pulls out a tape measure, hands it to one of the players, and has him stand on the free-throw line. They measure the length to the basket, 15 feet, just like in their small gym back home. Then they measure the height of the basket from the floor. 10 feet, just like at home. The, team, the team's framework for the world is reestablished. All was right in the world. However, for the disciples, the 12, the women, the followers of Jesus, Jesus doesn't pull out a tape measure to reassure his followers that all is right in the world. In fact, Jesus does just the opposite. Jesus says, yeah, yeah, see these stones? The day is coming when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. What? They think. How can this be? They wonder. It's a paradigm shift they did not expect to hear, especially from Jesus. In fact, in their thinking, the Messiah was to come and uphold the temple, cleanse the temple, rule the world from the temple. But Jesus was here for something else. Here, is the, here the apocalypse begins. Here is where the unveiling of the mind begins for the disciples. Here is where the revealing of what is to come happens for them from Jesus. Here is where the apocalyptic literature takes precedence. Beware, Jesus says, that you are not led astray. Important words not only for the disciples of Jesus' day, but for modern-day disciples as well, to be aware and not to be led astray. Jesus then says there will be wars and rumors of war, insurrections of political merit. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Then Jesus turns towards the disciples and speaks directly to them. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. Jesus tells them, they will hand you over to synagogues and prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. All of which came true is written in the book of Acts. And then Jesus said, 
this will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. Can you hear it? Can you see it, perhaps? The apocalypse happening right there before the disciples. The unveiling of their minds, a revealing of what is to come. The taking away of the veil so that the disciples may come to an understanding of what is ahead. It was the beginning of the end of the world as they knew it. The changing of the way the world was in the minds of the disciples to the way the world was to be, the way the world is to be. The apocalypse is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave over sin and death. For the disciples, the full weight of the apocalypse was about to happen, just days away in fact. For the disciples, the first blow was to watch Jesus be arrested, then tried, then crucified. Some of them scattered. Some stayed to watch him die. Some stayed to bury him. But for them, their world was shaken. Then they saw Jesus raised from the dead, totally unexpected. Once they knew and understood that Jesus had overcome the grave, the world they once knew was shaken forever, changed forever. The framework of which they saw the world, thought about the world, was no longer valid. Something new had come and was happening right in front of their eyes, changing their world, changing the way they were to live. For most of us, we have grown up knowing how the world is to be run, knowing how the world operates. We think, grow up, go to college, get a good job, earn lots of money, retire early. Or perhaps a more modern view of how the world works might look something like this. Take a gap year. Delay marriage, children, choose a partner, choose a way of life. Or maybe we think to ourselves, protect yourself, hide within your family, don't rock the boat, don't change a thing. We build up our own temples, we create our own idols, and then something amazing happens, and then Jesus enters in. And when Jesus comes into our world, the framework of how the world is to operate comes tumbling down. Our worlds are shaken to the core like an earthquake shaking the earth. The apocalypse is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave over sin and death. Once we see the world from the point of view of the resurrection, our worlds entirely change. Once our temples are brought down, once our idols are destroyed, once our eyes turn toward resurrection, we then begin to see what God desires us to see. We begin to think in terms of the way God desires us to think, away from chaos towards community. You see, the resurrection isn't just about being saved. The resurrection is about new life, new creation, a new way to live, leaving the old ways behind and putting on the new. And it all starts right here, right now. The disciples were focused on the beauty of the temple, of what they could see, of what they knew to be true. 
Jesus was focused on shaking up the frameworks of their lives. More times than not, our lives are focused on the beauty of the idols we have created in our own lives, our own framework of knowing how the world is to operate. Jesus is focused on shaking up the framework of our lives as well. The only apocalypse that matters has happened. Since the time of creation as recorded in Genesis until the death and burial of Jesus, the world lived, acted, and thought in only one way, the selfish way. Since the resurrection of Jesus from the grave and his defeat of sin and death, a new way has come. The resurrection was the fulcrum of which the entire world has shifted upon. Perhaps it is time we shift our ways to God's way and begin to live in God's eternity. Amen. Amen.